damn, I want to take all y'all if I can on a strange goddamn journey. Welcome to another episode of Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your host, Adam Campbell. I've got a pretty good show for you this week. Nay, not a pretty good show. I've got a pretty damn good show this week. At the top of the show, however, before I talk about it, I would like to address a correction. A couple episodes ago, I was talking about COS members and rationalization of non-COS friends or admiration. And I made a statement. Now this was a, an offhanded statement that I'm going to in, address in detail in The Devil's Advocate. But I would like to thank not only Reverend Bill M, but also Magister Phineas for pointing out my error and providing me with the correction. So I'm going to be addressing that, as mentioned, in The Devil's Advocate in depth. But initially, just for now, you can know that I had said the CUS has many affiliated groups. Uh, and I actually spoke out of turn uh, because they don't have any affiliated groups anymore. I was speaking from a 21-year-old publication, uh, The Church of Satan by Magistra Barton. And uh, it is not currently, you know, accurate to the modern Church of Satan. So I made that mistake. I'm man enough to admit it, and I really do appreciate the correction. What I don't want to do on this show is put out information that is inaccurate or misrepresenting not only the Church of Satan as an organization or Satanism as a structure, as a, as a philosophy, but, you know, I, I want to be able to have current informed information. Uh, so, you know, if it wasn't for all of you out there listening, you know, sending in corrections when I do say something out of line or out of turn, you know, this could quickly uh, degenerate. Uh, as, as much as I like to think that I'm all perfect, <laughs> I'm a man. So I make mistakes just like anyone else. Uh, and uh, you know what? I will fess up to them when they are wrong, and I will correct them when I can. And this episode is going to be centered around that correction. Also this week, uh, you know, last week I started this show talking about uh, a poor little dog that was hit, and um, me sort of, you know, watching it die, and trying my best to comfort it. This week I found out that uh, an animal when my girl and I first got together, um, a wolf hybrid, his name was Fenris, he'd been, his health has been degenerating for a, quite a number of years, and he's been spending time in another state, um, sort of just living out the last days he has left in a more comfortable manner than we could have accommodated, and I just learned that he passed. So that's really tough. That my my girl and I, before we were even married, got that dog, and for the longest time, 
you know, we didn't have any children or anything. You know, he was sort of our child. We have a lot of really strong, really good memories with that dog. Um, and, you know, we knew it was coming. And, you know, for the majority of us out here, we, we're all animal lovers. And it's always hard when you have personal experience with anyone that dies. And when it's a friend, whether it's an animal or a human being, you know, sometimes it can hit you a little harder than if it's just someone that you met. Um, Fenris was an amazing animal and a really, truly great friend. And I will always remember him. And in that way, you know, he never will have died. I can take comfort in that at least. Uh, I love you, man. I miss you. I did have uh, some highlights of this week. It wasn't all down. <laughs> Believe it or not, you wouldn't think it. But, you know, we have weeks where, you know, shit just hits the fan, and then we have weeks where it's a little easier and stuff. Uh, I actually got to meet... Um, and, you know, I didn't mention this last week, but, you know, a, a little over a week ago, I was um, privileged enough to meet with Warlock Joel Gostin. Um, he came into town, and we you know, barbecued up some burgers, had some beer, and just bullshitted for a while. And it was really nice. It was really great talking with him. Um, this past week, I had the opportunity to talk with um, uh, Warlock Bloodfire. And if you're not familiar with him, he's the um, sort of uh, lead singer slash creator of uh, The Quintessentials, him and his lovely girl. Uh, we had met with a number of other uh, citizens over in... Um, downtown Salt Lake and it was it was really nice you know we got to have a couple drinks we got to talk for a while um, and just the fact that you know it goes to show like every time I meet a Satanist a fellow Satanist I'm always taken aback by how fucking cool they are I mean really it's it's hard I don't know I, I, I keep expecting and I, I hear they exist, but I keep expecting to find these sort of pompous members, um, and I'm just starting to think that they don't exist, <laughs> because everyone I've met is just awesome. You know, they're they're all really down to earth, really personable, fun, you know, they have great sense of humors. Uh, none of them are, are really, you know, high on themselves. And I, I guess... Ultimately, in every organization, you're going to have a handful of people that are like that. Uh, I think I'm fortunate not to have met any yet. Um, you know, and just to reach out there and say, every single Satanist I've ever met, as of right now, has been creative, um, inspiring in their own way, and a pleasure to meet. So, I mean, there are a lot of us that prefer not to go out and, and you know, make ourselves known and, and group up with, with others of our kind. And that's fine. Uh, for those of us who do, you know, it's a nice way to meet others of like mind and just socialize in, in a more of an intimate setting. And it's always a lot of fun. And I've had a lot of fun doing it. And I look forward to um, the future, you know, meeting other Satanists and... Uh, making other um, relationships and stuff. I, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoy it. Certainly not for everyone, but uh, 
you know, if you get a chance, I've never had a bad experience with it. So, you know, it may be worth it. Uh, either way, how about I tell you what we have planned for the show? As I already mentioned in The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to be talking about affiliation, grottos, and groups centered around a correction from last week. Or it actually wasn't last week, but it was two episodes ago. In The Infernal Informant, I'm going to be talking about uh, an article here, Rick Perry Contorts Over Same-Sex Marriage. And we have Company, Asteroid Discovered in Earth's Orbit. In The Creature Feature, I have... Clint Mephisto's shit kicking road show and Velvet Darkness with DJ Drac Hool podcast interviews. Now, I, I've combined them both up because they're both run by the same individual. And you'll learn more about that as we get in there. And I have a feeling I might have time for another Bizarre of the Bizarre. It's been a long time, but I'm going to drop one down on you. It's a little bit adult in nature, so, you know, a little warning there if I get the opportunity to drop it. Um, but I think it's quirky. I think it's interesting. I think it's relatively humorous, at least to me, and I hope other people get a kick out of it as well. I also want to talk about social networking woes really quick here. You know, we we have all of these different avenues that become popular, and those of us who are active in social networking sites, be it Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or, hell, there's even some of us on MySpace. You know, we go to all these new places, and the first thing we do is reconnect with all of the friends that we have in the other social networking sites. And what we end up with are eight different accounts to talk to the same people. Like, eight different social networking sites that we visit on a regular basis Connecting with the exact same people. It seems really annoying and, and pointless to me. And, and it, more and more recently, it's, it's starting to bother me. I'm significantly withdrawing myself from not only Facebook, but the social networking scene in general. I, I'm starting to find it immensely counterproductive. You know, I'm, I'm not really enjoying it at all. There's a handful of like-minded individuals that I connect with, and outside of that, it seems really pointless. So I am going to be diminishing my presence significantly. I think the only page that I'm going to be regularly updating, and I use the word regularly loosely, is Google+, and that's until it becomes more like Facebook as well, and I'm sure it will. And, you know, Facebook is just becoming more and more like MySpace, which, in my opinion, is sort of the degeneration of social connecting with friends. And Twitter, honestly, seems to be like that bastard stepchild of social networking sites where, you know, you have a handful of people that live on it exclusively, but everyone else kind of just goes in there for their either weekly FF or um, just... I don't know, to check on the handful of interesting people that live on it. I, I find it incredibly pointless, to be quite honest. So just, you know, so you know, if, if on Facebook or any of the other sites I have withdrawn or disconnected, well, that's why. I, I, you know, it's just, it, it's gotten to the point where it's pointless. I, you know, there's no real meaning there at all. I'm going to be keeping and updating primarily, as I said before, Google+, and I'm going to be trying to connect with regularity on the Undercroft um, with 
you know, with nine cents with this podcast, I'm going to be regularly updating it on all of those sites just to keep the audience informed about what's going on. But for my personal activity there, it's going to be dropping to a virtual standstill. Uh, I also have a very special uh, treat here for the nine cents nation, as it were. I'm going to be having a guest host next week. And I say that <laughs> because I've said it, it might not fucking happen. But it may. Um, and if I do, uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. I'm looking quite forward to it. Hopefully, it will be more entertaining than just listening to me argue to myself <laughs> or to you. Uh, you know, it's that back and forth banter that I think I'm missing. And I think it'll, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be a good change. So we'll see how that goes and see if we can make that more of a regular, um, well, more of a regularity, as it were. So I think that should uh, sum it up for the intro here. Let's go ahead and jump on over to the Devil's Advocate. In this arid wilderness of steel and stone, I raise up my voice that you may hear. To the east and to the west I beckon. To the north and to the south I show a sign proclaiming a death to the weakling, wealth to the strong. Can I get a hail Satan? I said, can I get a hail Satan? We are the Devil's Advocates. Welcome to the Devil's Advocate. As always, let me preface this segment by saying that I am a Satanist. I am a member of the Church of Satan, but I do not speak for the Church of Satan. That is all. This Devil's Advocate is centered around a correction from two weeks ago. I had said that the Church of Satan is affiliated with many groups or many organizations, and you know what I meant was there were many, um, I guess you would call them uh, grottos that I was referring to, uh, when I'm talking about organizations, meaning groups of individuals who act together, not necessarily actively promoting Satanism as a movement, but that uh, were in association with the Church of Satan because of the leadership of those groups were centered um, from Satanists, and that they were in communication with the Church of Satan. And I said this because, as mentioned before, I was loosely basing that statement off of The Church of Satan by Blanche Barton, which I had, uh, when immediately been, uh, you know, brought up that it was incorrect, freely admit that, you know, it was outdated, and um, I, I really should have done a bit more homework. I, I really should have. Um, and again, let me thank uh, Reverend Bill M. and Magister Phineas for, you know, making sure I was... Um, corrected so that I can obviously bring it to you. I don't want to misrepresent the COS at all. Uh, that, you know, it's important to me uh, is, is legitimacy in what I'm saying. The majority of my show, Nine Cents, is really based around my perception of the world that I exist in. So it doesn't always deal in hard facts, because the way I see things, perception is nine-tenths of reality, and, and we make our reality, so my perception may not line up with your reality. But there are a few instances where I cross over into, you know, 
reality. And it's in this segment, The Devil's Advocate, where it's most important that I make sure I'm representing uh, the organization correctly. And it's funny because uh, I was sent an article called The Myth of the Satanic Community and Other Virtual Delusions by Magus Peter H. Gilmore. And I literally, uh, not, I don't know, five, six hours after that was sent to me, I was reading through the uh, Satanic Scriptures and that exact same article was uh, published in there. So I had uh, gotten a double dose of it. And whereas the majority or the basis of this article is centered around the idea of, or this essay is centered around an idea of members trying to oust other members and members trying to form their own organizations in tandem or um, in contrast with the satanic, um, with the Church of Satan, you know, and getting their... You know, a little arrogant and maybe even trying to usurp the COS uh, dealing with social networking and such. That's nowhere near where I was <laughs> bringing this up. I was literally just paraphrasing one little sentence that I read um, from a, a book that was uh, 20, you know, a little over 21, 20 years old. So, whereas the majority of this article doesn't really hold um, meaning to that statement, it does address that organization working in unity with the COS that, that I was referring to in brief. Because it says that with, you know, the internet and it's so easy to contact other people, and just as a policy of the Church of Satan, they stop doing or stop supporting localized grottos, you know, groups where, uh, you know, regional groups where people would meet up and practice uh, socially if they wanted to. Well, we just don't need that system anymore with social networking and the internet as it is with our, our, our various communication methods. It's just not really important. You know, it's it's not important in as much as we don't need that in order to communicate with each other anymore. So the Church of Satan completely disbanded it. But that doesn't mean that there aren't groups that are cropping up and trying to badmouth the COS or trying to steal away, um, you know, Satanists in general uh, through lies and through hyperbole. Um, and, you know, just straight up because they're trying to be uh, more influential and more powerful than they are. And, you know, by doing so are making themselves look like really um, foolish uh, asses. So, you know, let, let me say this clearly. Because, as I mentioned, you know, sometimes when I communicate, I'm not as clear as I always want to be. So I want to make this abundantly clear. There are no organizations that the Church of Satan is working with. They are not affiliated with anyone except for the Church of Satan. And there's a number of reasons outside of just that, you know, there's no need for a, a ground system because of the internet that I had mentioned. 
primarily, you know, the majority of Satanists, m much more than are ever active in social networking or on the internet, prefer not to be out. You know, prefer not to communicate with other people. They take the philosophy within themselves and they use it as a tool to live their life successfully as they see it. That's the majority of us. And that's the reality behind it. It's, it's easy to want to, you know, especially the earlier you are in, in your realization of being a Satanist, you know, it's really easy to want to reach out and communicate with others. And it's completely natural and it's completely normal. But just keep in mind that because the majority don't want that uh, public eye on them, you know, they're just comfortable doing their own thing. And you're not always going to be able to, you know, reach out and, and, and talk to those people and have a relationship with those people. They just prefer not to. You know, the Church of Satan is very much a mutual admiration society. Meaning your, your relationships are based around admiration. You know, you can't just step up on the satanic stage and shout out with a big S on your chest that you are the though the one the best the greatest to lead satanism into the you know next decade and expect to be taken seriously <laughs> it's just not a reality if if we don't know who you are if we've never seen your accomplishments we're not going to go out of our way to show you any respect and, and that's the other thing, is that it, it's very much a, a respect-based thing. You never demand respect, you earn it. And th that's in tandem with admiration, you know, you, you have to earn it. Don't look for it. If you are a successful Satanist, it'll come to you. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have to get to the point somewhere in your life where you, you realize that there's always someone better than yourself. And if you're not comfortable where you are in your limited ability in whatever you do well then you either need to step up your game try something new or be content with where you are but don't try to overinflate your own individual presence uh, because that's really counterproductive that makes you look and that means you are a lot worse than even you will admit to yourself and certainly that's how it's going to appear to everyone else. I've recently been talking about communicating with um, Satanists, um, not only in this episode, but some episodes before, you know, just in my local area, there's a number of us. And, you know, it, it's, it's all fine and good. We have great times when we get together, but it is not the status quo. You know, you're not going to be able... I find myself fortunate that I have met these people in my area, but it, it's only been this year that I've really started to, uh, you know, network with anyone, for that matter. Um, and that's, you know, as I said before, that's how the majority of us are. And, you know, so like, like I said before, this, this is all based around the idea of a correction that, you know, the Church of Satan doesn't use Corrado's anymore. It doesn't affiliate itself with any organizations. 
and it doesn't need to. And that's really what it comes down to. So, uh, again, thank you, gentlemen, for uh, correcting uh, my uh, incorrect statement. And uh, I look forward to corrections like this from anyone uh, that listens to this show and hears me say something that you may not perceive as truth or may be inaccurate. You know, we, we have an organization that spans many years and is very much socially evolving. You know, there used to be regular, I say regular, but there, there used to be videos of ritual and talk show circuit visitations uh, that the church used to perform. And that's just, you know, it's died down a lot because one, it, it doesn't ever correct the myths that are out there the lies that are perpetrated by um, you know haters and so it's counterproductive so if you are reading the satanic bible and you want to get more and, and really I, you know, I, I say the satanic bible but that's pretty much not changed at all um, when it comes to organization or uh, interactions Always check the website, uh, churchofsatan.com, to learn more and to learn up-to-date, accurate information. It's very important to purchase and read these fantastic books that have been put out, not only by our former high priest and current high priest, but you know to learn about Satanism as it has been created and as it was perceived even before it created, you know, what, what inspired Anton LaVey to create it. But also to see and hear and understand other Satanist perspectives, how they apply it to their own lives, you know, because their success may help you succeed uh, by being informed. So, you know, there it is. There's my correction. I, I hope it clears things up. I hope no one heard that one line in that entire segment and went off on a tangent because of it, trying to enforce any you know anything. I think that would be absurd to ever do from my <laughs> my show, because like I said before, my show is not meant to be a satanic um, news show. My show is meant to be my perspective on news. And at times I feature satanic content or promote satanic material. But I am not representing the COS. I am not. And that's why at the top of every one of these um, Devil's Advocates, I drop that line. Because I don't want you to think that anything I say is law. Because it is not. What I say is my perspective of media and news. And that's what this show is all about again. I hope that's clear. And I hope people realize that I'm not trying to create anything here. I'm trying to entertain. And that's a, a vast difference. Uh, and hopefully I'm doing it. <laughs> I'd like to think I'm doing it. <laughs> Uh, so let's go ahead and move over to a more <laughs> entertaining section, the Infernal Informant. 
article in today's Infernal Informant is from the Los Angeles Times politics section. Rick Perry contorts over same-sex marriage. And this was written by Mark Z. Barabak. Texas Governor Rick Perry has yet to decide whether he will seek next year's GOP Republican presidential nomination, but already he's had the first contratemps which translated from the French into campaign speak, means political headache. Perry is a big believer in state sovereignty. Some may recall him winking at the notion of Texas seceding before backing off, as well as the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. That's the one that limits the powers of the federal government. So it's not altogether surprising that Perry weighing his future, gave a speech last week that included a strong pitch for states' rights. Quote, Our friends in New York six weeks ago passed a statute said marriage can be between two people of the same sex. End quote. Perry told a gathering of several hundred GOP donors at an Aspen Institute forum. Quote, And you know what? That's New York, and that's their business, and that's fine with me. That is their call. If you believe in the Tenth Amendment, stay out of their business. End quote. Perry's comments in Colorado immediately ricocheted through the social conservative circles. Some were not pleased, among them presidential hopeful Rick Santorum. I am not, as some in this race have said, okay with New York doing what they're doing, the former Pennsylvania senator said, campaigning this week in Iowa. What New York did was wrong. I will oppose it and I will go to New York, if necessary, and help overturn it. Now it seems, Perry has had second thoughts. In a radio interview with Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council, a conservative advocacy group, the Texas governor amended his remarks. Quote, I probably need to add a few words after that, it's fine with me, Perry said, and that it's fine with me that a state is using their sovereign rights to decide an issue. Obviously, gay marriage is not fine with me. My stance hasn't changed. A spokesman said Perry's comments released Thursday were not a retreat or revision. He's been very consistent. Marriage is between one man and one woman, said Mark Minor. As governor of Texas, he has a strong record of defending traditional marriage. Further, Minor said, there's nothing inconsistent in Perry's support for a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage same-sex marriage, a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage at the same time he insists on letting states go their own way. An amendment would require support from three-fourths of the states, Miner said, thus allowing them to weigh in. Perry, serving his third term as governor, is believed to be weeks away from announcing his decision on running for president. Prediction, <laughs> and that's the article. Here's my prediction. If Perry decides to run for president, he will never get the GOP's acceptance. And if for some ridiculously crazy reason he does, he'll never win. Not a chance in hell. This dude was so upset over Obama winning the, the presidency. He was so upset 
over the health care bill that he was seriously saying that Texas should secede from the Union. Now, I have to admit, Texas has its way of threatening that seemingly all the fucking time. Because they just don't ever agree with the rest of us Yanks, I suppose. Now, I, I don't know what the reason is, as if they're better than the rest of the United States. But how can he say, Rick Perry, that he believes in the state's right to choose its own set of laws, and then say he supports a constitutional amendment denying same-sex marriages. Because that would apply to every state. Like, this guy is such an asshat. I, I cannot understand these really hard-line right Republicans. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. They're absolutely fervent in their belief that the government should stay out of their business unless it has to do with anything they don't agree with. Then, government, make sure they can't do that. Government, get in the way. And it's not exclusive to the Republicans. Democrats do the exact same thing. But the Republicans are so much more hypocritical with it and so much more open to it. And, and what's hilarious is that it doesn't seem like they either... A, realize how stupid they look when they do this, or they genuinely just don't see it. They're just ignorant to their own ignorance. It, it's funny. I, I wish there was a way that we could take a mirror up to our politicians, regardless of their political affiliation, and really make them take a hard look at the promises they made to get them in office who they made those promises to, and whether or not they're following through with it. And I wish the public, the general public, would realize that these these politicians, they're not working for you. You think this guy really cares about same-sex marriage? All he really... This, this is a, 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 a political stance he's taking. And he's only doing it to pander to his particular demographic, his constituency, that got him into office. The real people who, who really paid the way for his run and for his victory, the corporations, these are the real masters of these politicians that sit behind the scenes, that lobby over dinner and over trips overseas. The guys that help pay their mortgage, that's their real constituency. So when you see you know, these ridiculous arguments over whether or not to raise the debt ceiling, as if that's an option. Or these ridiculous arguments over same-sex marriage or the, the um, uh, preservation of traditional marriage. It's all a lie. That's not what's at their heart. Because if it was, they wouldn't be pandering to these large corporations who got them into office. They wouldn't have needed them. It's, it seems so obvious to so many people, and yet we still have these citizens who are, you know, what I say citizens meaning United States citizens, uh, watching this and getting so just fired up about it. None of this really matters. <laughs> like, none of it really matters. And it especially over ridiculous things like this. Okay, so the dude hates gay people. Whatever, I don't care. It's not going to make or break him. But I tell you what, it is going to ensure that he's not going to become a president. And if any fool thinks that they're going to be able, in today's world, to be an active 
hating bigot and getting up into office, they got another thing coming, and I can't wait. I hope they run because I would love to see that coverage, and then I would love to bring it to your attention, just in case you've missed it over the week. Uh, so that was that article. I just Rick Perry is one of those guys that's just like a really he's as dumb as a bag of hammers, and he may be like really intelligent on a personal level, but politically he's as dumb as a bag of hammers. A wet bag of hammers at that. And he just has, like, no chance. He's pandering to this tiny, tiny, tiny section of the United States. The very religious right. The very ignorant of the, of our society. The tiniest portion. And it's amazing because they pander to them so much in efforts to, you know, get their numbers out, to vote overwhelmingly, to ensure that they get in there... But they forget that the majority of Americans, if they just represented them, would go out and vote. You wouldn't have to be extreme right if you were just a real human being. Most Americans are conservative. Most Americans are not fervently religious fanatics. And that's who this guy is catering to. So if you just present in a real human rational way that you're a conservative and you understand and accept our Constitution as it is, you're going to win no matter what office, or I'm sorry, no matter what political party you belong to. Because that's what the majority of Americans want. Be honest, be straightforward, stop pandering to corporate interests, and just do what the majority of us want. Never cater to those fringe elements. Because they are fringe, they are not the majority. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the second article here. We have company, asteroid, discovered in Earth's orbit. And this is actually from the star.com uh, by staff reporter Leslie uh, Cirula Taylor. The Earth has its own well-behaved celestial chihuahua on a leash. Two Canadian astronomers are among a team that have discovered our planet's first Trojan asteroid, which is rotating the sun in our orbit. The interesting thing is that it is synchronized with Earth, Professor Paul Wiegert of the University of Western Ontario told the Star on Thursday. The asteroid always remains a little ahead, like a dog on a leash. At 300 meters wide, it is a small dog to our nearly 12,800 kilometers. The discovery, made last year by NASA's WISC satellite and confirmed in April after months of peering through the Canada-France-Hawaii telescope in Hawaii, has immediate implications for our understanding of Earth's neighborhood and long-term possibilities for space exploration. The asteroid is among the safest, said Weird. It never gets particularly close to the Earth, but it doesn't wander too far away. There's a distinct gravitational link. Wiegert's horseshoe simulation of the orbit of 2010 TK7 shows how far the dog is allowed to visit on its leash. Now, about 80 million kilometers from Earth, it won't come any closer than 24 million kilometers in the next 100 years at least. Most asteroids are clustered in a belt near Mars, while Trojan asteroids, named because of the complicated tango they perform with planets, were proposed in 1772 and discovered near Jupiter in 1906. This one is the first for Earth. Uh, 
The simple brightness of the sun and the daytime sky prevent astronomers from discovering it, said Weird. The infrared technology of the WISE or WISE satellite launched in 2009 spotted it, and a team led by Martin Connors of Athabasca University in Alberta were finally able to track it. If you find one of something, you can convince people to help you find others, said Connors, who has been searching for the Trojan asteroid for 20 years. This discovery, published Thursday in the journal Nature, or a later discovery, could eventually provide a hand a handy landing spot for a space probe, extending our eyes and ears further into the universe, said Connors. NASA does want to do deep space missions, he said. You can land on an asteroid very easily. They're easier to get to than the moon, even if they're farther away. A probe could also tell scientists which rare earth metals are inside the barren rock that we know now is with us as we orbit the sun. I think this is fascinating because one, I love space, and two, if they found one, what are the chances of there being another? I'm not a particular fan of chihuahuas, but if there's if Earth has some pets, then you know I'm sure it's got more than one. Obviously, this is like the second gravitational friend Earth has, you know, with the moon. But um, I w I would find it very interesting. You know, there's been a lot of um, discussion online whether it's justified or not about you know Planet X orbiting on the exact opposite rotation on the other side of the sun as the Earth. And seeing an asteroid this rel relatively close to the Earth so kind of makes that a little bit more plausible. Now, you know, like they said in the article, they it, it's hard to detect this object. So is it crazy to think that it's hard to detect other objects? You know, uh, who's to say? And is this a remnant of the early solar system forming initially and it just never really got pulled into you know, become a planet of its own? Is it something that was just a rogue flying through the solar system and just sort of got caught up around the sun and then around us? I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions, and it's really kind of exciting, you know, because if there are rare minerals on this, it might help inform us about rare min minerals on our Earth. And, you know, who knows? There could be literally anything on here. I mean, it, it could be, uh, you know, just... Solid, solid bacteria from uh, an ancient Mars impact, or, you know, I'm, I'm totally spitballing here. It could be a landing spot for something else. You know, I mean, just the possibilities, it's very exciting that there's suddenly, after growing up believing that you understand this solar system of ours, that we don't really know it that well. And it's not surprising, because we don't really know our own planet that well, <laughs> to be quite honest. I mean, our own human origins, our own human histories are shrouded in secrecy, uh, just by the fact that we didn't record things as primitive species, you know? So there could literally have been millions and millions of years of human evolution wiped out by catastrophe that we never even knew of. Histories that may go to explain Atlantean-type, um, uh, you know, fantasy inflation of, of earlier civilizations, but, you know, would be our true origins as people. Stuff like that it really, really fascinates me. It's really exciting. So, you know, when we see stuff like this where, where we learn something new that has been um, hypothesized for so long, 
it reinforces that hope of discovery. You know what I mean? That, that maybe some somewhere in the future, maybe we, we're going to uncover something new that's going to help explain that human experience that we're all in the middle of. Ah, I get so excited about it. It's so cool. Uh, okay, and, and really that's all I wanted to talk about. And I think that's going to do it for this Infernal Informant. Let's go ahead. I'm going to take a short break. On the other side, we're going to jump right into Creature Feature with our interview. And hopefully, if we have enough time, because I keep all of these around an hour, I'm going to give you a nice little bizarre bizarre before we close it. See you on the other side. The Satanic Scriptures hands down the wit, wisdom, and diabolical perspective of the Church of Satan's High Priest, Magus Peter H. Gilmore. These essays, articles, and diatribes have been collected from over 20 years of the High Priest's writings for his Infernal Cabal, some first issued in the pages of publications available only to insiders. From the magic of toys to techniques of time travel, Magus Gilmore leads the reader down a left-hand path where few will find what they expect. Magus Gilmore reveals principles of satanic ritual in a frank discussion of forbidden rites. What is a satanic funeral? How do Satanists marry? Find out now, as these unholy ceremonies have never been disclosed outside of the Church of Satan's hellish hierarchy. Here is the philosophy for those bold enough to be their own gods or devils. Visit thesatanicscriptures.com for more information. Released by Scapegoat Publishing. Available in paperback form from major booksellers and independents nationwide. Is this, is this thing on? All right, is it this thing working now? You got it. All right. Uh, this year's um, Citizens Against Decency uh, Book Award uh, goes to Stephanie Crabe and uh, uh, Motel Bazaar. It's, uh, yes, excuse you. It's not just a uh, book for a book of uh, truck stop lesbians, wacko cult leaders, racists, trannies, and the uh, grossly obese. It also has uh, tits in it, which uh, I, uh, I can appreciate. Without uh, further ado, CAD Award for the Advancement of Immorality in uh, Books. Uh, with Stephanie, where are you talking about? Come on up. What? Motel Bazaar by Stephanie Crabe. Available through scapegoatpublishing.com. Now available from Purging Talon is the debut authored book by Church of Satan Magister Matt G. Paradise, Bearing the Devil's Mark. Bearing the Devil's Mark is a bold and no-nonsense treatise on the subject of Satanism. Not from the perverse pen of bitter and jealous Christians, or even their pagan counterparts, but straight from the satanic perspective itself. Sex, love, politics, technology, the god religions, and more, all brought to you by someone with over 25 years of actively living the satanic philosophy. To order, log on to PurgingTalon.com. Bearing the Devil's Mark, new from Purging Talon. Do you bear the mark? are different than cats and hey what if jack nicholson were hey what if we are the world was sung by the cast of friends i think it might go something like this hi everyone i'm jay leno anyone remember when i was funny eat doritos ladies and gentlemen dane cook 
Are you fed up with comedy that's made for the masses? Sick of stand-up comedian hacks with the same old routines that you've heard a thousand times before? Equally tired of shock jocks who equate loudness with laughter? Hello, my name is Reverend Bill M., creator and host of The Devil's Mischief, a show where every week I present a new hour of comedy and novelty of devilish proportions. So tune in to The Devil's Mischief. Visit devilsmischief.com or radiofreesatan.com to download the latest podcast. The Devil's Mischief. Carnal comedy clips and netherworld novelty numbers simply not made for the masses. Greetings, Fright Fiends. Hungry for a blood-curdling good time? Well, Terror Transmission brings you horror movie commentary like no other podcast. Listen in as your handsome hosts examine all of your current and soon-to-be favorites from the past. Tune in through iTunes or the show's official website, www.terrortransmission.com, where you can also find horror chat, on-site movie reviews, horror DVD release dates, and more. And don't forget to check out Terror Transmission on Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, and Flickr. Terror Transmission, the greatest horror commentary podcast ever. The sky is dark, moon piercing the night. Through the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush. Fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. She is swamp water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. Today we're continuing our feature of the Radio Free Satan podcast, continuing with Velvet Darkness and Clint Mephisto's Shit Kickin' Roadshow. Today I'm being joined by none other than Christopher Lee, the man behind both podcasts. Christopher, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. I, I was really excited to uh, learn that um, the personality behind the personalities, you know, <laughs> and, and uh, right. have you on here to talk about both of these great podcasts. Um, but if you're okay with it, let's go ahead and start with maybe a little bit about you. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Oh, I uh, I. For formality purposes, I am a COS member and uh, kind of the last of the old guard of the original Radio Free Satan. Um, I started when the original owners were so running the show, and I think myself and Bill M. are probably the last two of that. I came in on the tail end of that last run, but I think we're the last two. Um, I've uh, been a COS member since 1996. I am a special effects artist, freelance artist. Uh, professional prop maker, mask maker, uh, professional wrestler, and just madman in general. So, <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah, damn, that's a that's a hell of a resume you got there, man. <laughs> um, it's a short intro, so, but at the same time, it's very big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for real. When did you first realize that you were a Satanist? Um, probably around the age fourteen or fifteen. Um, I was always into the, the darker aesthetic. Um, my parents were raised on horror films and raised me on horror films. I'm actually named after Christopher Lee, so there was always that that vein, you know, running through my my existence that uh, I really didn't know anything other than that. Um, so I was always kind of 
in that on that path already, you know, just didn't really realize it. And uh when I began looking into other avenues and, and started reading more and I naturally stumbled across the Satanic Bible and uh it almost seemed as if I had written it. You know, I I so a lot of my ideas kind of being bounced back at me, you know, well, there's a name for what I am, so, and, uh, I've pretty much walked that path ever since, so. Hell yeah. And you had mentioned at the top that you were a CEO's member, uh, what made you take that leap from just being a Satanist to joining the membership, or, I mean, sorry, joining the organization? Um, it had been something that had been on my mind for probably about four or five years prior to that. Um, but I, I wanted to uh I wanted to wait and do it when I felt the time was right. Um, and uh I, I didn't wanna didn't want to jump into to anything so I waited until I felt it was, you know, the proper proper time to do it because I wanted to throw my, my lot in with the organization. I have always I've always understood that you don't have to join the church, but I felt, you know, it was the right thing to do. Um, so when when the time struck me as being the, the opportune moment to do it, um, I took the reins and jumped in, you know, so it wasn't really it wasn't really too too hard of a decision to make or too far of a stretch. It just it seemed right and when the moment was right I jumped on the opportunity and haven't looked back. So what, I mean, you have a, such a, such a, a varied background in what you, what you do. What made you want to start podcasting? Um, I had been listening to Radio Free State for a while. Um, back when, uh, I had first moved to Baltimore in 2000, early 2001, I had moved to Baltimore and not long before I moved, I had actually met Chris X. At who was doing the Hellbound Sound at the time. And uh, we became friends. And so I started listening to his show, and I'd already had an email account set up on their, their email server on Radio Free State. And so I'd been going to the site almost daily to check the mail, listen to the shows. And um, I had also been listening to the, the Goth Industrial Show, which was being run by Honey Hellfire. I can't remember the name of it. But I remember seen an ad on the main page saying that they were looking for DJs and they had the formats listed so I shot them an email and said I'd be interested in, uh, in doing like you know take a different spin at it from what you're doing now and um, she uh, she had me put together a, a pilot episode and you know it, it just kind of took off from there so and I brought a different perspective to it than, than she was doing, so I think it was something fresh and she wanted to try it. So. And which which podcast was that that you started with? I started with Velvet Darkness. Um, okay. It was, uh, I, I'm thinking probably about seven years when I started. I can't remember the wow. exact date, but it's been around seven years. I've been doing it for a very long time. She she was doing a Gotham Industrial show and then stopped. And uh, I think she liked my idea enough my my whole premise behind the the original idea was I love those two genres of music, you know, goth and industrial and death rock. I love all of that music. But going out to those clubs, you are just from the minute you walk through the door you're smacked with a wave of pretentiousness. It's one of the things that made me stop going out to clubs was 
the the attitude that, that you got, you know, and and eventually it became all one big, you know, hot topic expose kind of thing going on, you know, at the museum on <laughs> yeah. hot topic clothing. <laughs> so I kind of figured, well, I love this music. I don't like going out anymore, so why don't I just start doing a show? And then I'll, rather than just talk, you know, about what I'm playing, how much I love it, I will take on the persona of the most pretentious, obnoxious, arrogant, goth bastard you've ever met. <laughs> As a way of yeah. honey, poking fun of them. So I, I'm very dry and very, you know, just monotone and no personality whatsoever. You know, it's, it's this is DJ Dracul, you know, very, very uppity those <laughs> Those turned as high as I can possibly get it. And I, I think she, she enjoyed that idea. So, um, the funny thing is, is not many people really got it. I, we were accused the first couple of years of me doing it of, I was accused of being just a pretentious bastard. I'm like, you, you're not getting the joke. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I, I made every attempt in descriptions of, about the show to make make it known that that's what I was doing. I I wrote these these, you know, press releases or whatever you want to call them. Just so outlandish, you know, and uh <laughs> over the top and, and people took it seriously. And I in one see this is one thing that's always always been weird about my whole run as DJ Dracul is it, it's never been DJ Lord Dracul, it's always just been DJ Dracul. But in one of my press descriptions, I put myself as the evil Lord of Dracul, just to turn you know, be completely <laughs> flip. And it's stuck. Everyone just calls me Lord Dracul now, which is, you know, if you listen to the show, I don't refer to myself as that, but I did it once and it just <laughs> <Yeah>. stuck. <laughs> That's great. So when did you first start Clinton Mephisto's Shit Kicking Road Show? Um, I started that when... Almost three years ago, it's been well over two, but not quite three, I don't believe. Uh, I did take a extended break from both of them when I relocated from Baltimore back to North Carolina. Um, but I started that one almost three years ago. That one had been in my eye, in my head for a long time. Um, there was another DJ who was doing a show very similar. Her name was Heavenly Devil, and she ran the show very similar to that. And her and I had joked around for months about switching out, you know, doing, she'd do my show one week and I'd do hers. And, um, and I said, yeah, and I'll, I'll call myself, you know, originally I was going to call myself Buck Satan because I'm a huge fan of old music. <laughs> and one of Al Jorgensen's side projects was Buck Satan and the 666 Shooters. And I was like, well, that's just a great name. I'll just, I'll do one episode and call myself Buck Satan. And, mm-hmm. um, when Tiberian 9 took over Radio Crusade and she was looking for other shows, and there wasn't a show dealing with those formats anymore, so I shot my idea off to her. And, and, and one, of, one, of my, one of my things was, you know, what can I not say? Is there anything that I can't say? And she said, no, you can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And I said, well, here's my idea. I want this to be the polar opposite of what I'm doing now. So... What I want to do is I want to play vintage country because I love vintage country. I'm just all about that old, twangy, sounds like it's coming through one broken speaker sound. I love it. 
Yeah. And I love rockabilly. And I, I'm really enjoying psychobilly and current rockabilly. And, and I like 50s music. And I love all that stuff. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I really love about those guys is they, 90% of the time, they were all trashed out of their heads and didn't give two shits what they were saying. <laughs> so my idea was to just start start drinking when I start programming the show. And then by the time I get ready to the show, whatever comes out of my mouth is whatever comes out of my mouth. And, you know, I won't script it. I'll run off the fly. If it's, if it's gold, it's gold. If it's crap, it's crap. But whatever comes out is going on air. And she, she backed me 100% and said, that's a great idea. Do it. And, uh, so I started, I started promoting it and getting things ready. And, uh, and then there were some some technical issues with me calling myself Buck Satan, so I had to change the name. And uh, one of my favorite actors has always been Clint Eastwood, and uh, mm-hmm. I, was, I had decided to name it Clint something, and I wasn't sure what. And I was in a comic shop one day buying some old Swamp things, some old uh, Tales from the Crypts and stuff, and, and I was looking through a dollar box, and there was one called Mephisto. I was like, Clint Mephisto, that's it right there. So oh, yeah. the rest is. The rest is history, I guess, as they say. <laughs> That's awesome. That one, that one has taken off in, in ways that I, I did not expect. Uh, it's it's actually spawned some other projects that I'm working on right now. I'm actually working on a psychobilly band called Clint Mephisto and uh, and the PBR Street Gang, which hopefully will really, happen. yeah. That's I've, I've I've mentioned it once on my show, so I. But it was very brief, so I guess this is, for lack of any better term, the world premiere of that announcement. Um, oh, hopefully yeah. we'll have some material out in the next year or so. Um, and I'm about to release, uh, you know, as a mask maker and things I like to, you know, include personal projects. So the, the Clint Mephisto Halloween mask is about to come out, too. So Clint has kind oh, of spawned the life of the own. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So you did that mask, right? Yes. Yes, I did the... Um, I created the original prosthetic for um, the photo shoot that I did. And if you go on Radio Free State, you can see a couple of the photos. I picked the two. You know, I picked one good close-up, and, and then there's a shot of me chugging a bottle of whiskey. Um, yeah, I originally had done a uh, – it was a five-piece prosthetic, a face, horns, ears, uh, the goatee, and uh, I threw the cowboy hat on top of it with a giant pentagram on it. And yeah. um, what prompted me to do the mask was the prosthetic uh, is ruined. The original prosthetic is ruined when I went when I took it off my face. It just it didn't survive. So I had the idea of you know recreating another one for photo shoots, and, and then the idea hit me to do a vintage 1950s and 60s style Halloween mask. So it just kind of snowballed from there, and it's. Probably about two weeks away from release. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I'm actually uh, looking at some of your work on Screwbiter.net, and uh, okay. and this is all your work. You've done like the paintings and everything. Yes, yes. Every bit of that that's is fantastic, uh, artist man. Thank you, thank you, sir. I'm a better sculptor than anything else, and better effects artist than anything else. But I do enjoy painting and things, so. I try to do a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, you limit yourself. You're screwing yourself out of life, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So uh, we we kind of covered how you got to Radio Free Satan um, and how you uh, sort of chose the the shows. 
So the formats of, of both shows is is really your character introducing music, correct? Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. What, what what's the release time of your shows? Is it a weekly or is it biweekly or? It's weekly. Uh, I usually record both shows over the course of a weekend, and then they they start airing Monday, the following Monday, and they run till the, you know the following Monday. So it's a seven day cycle. Um, yeah. They usually don't get recorded the same day because what I what I do is uh, I do have a family, and while they're they're all away for the day, that's when I do the road show. You know when no one else is around because I can get as drunk and belligerent as I need to, you know, without, <laughs> having, without having the kids have to hear it or anything like that. You know, by the time everybody's yeah. home, I'm sobered up. So, you know. <laughs> nice. so I usually do that, you know, early in the day or really late at night while everybody's asleep, one of the two. And uh, Velvet Darkness is done usually the next day or the day prior to that. That's a lot of time you put into it. Developing two different, very different shows. That's, that's some devotion you got. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of work, but I, I enjoy doing them, you know, and people seem to be listening still, so, you know, as long as people are listening, I'm gonna continue to do them, but, yeah, some, sometimes they do get a little sidetracked. I mean, last week's episode of Velvet Darkness, I actually, I don't remember doing this, because when I did the road show, I had probably about three or four you know, extra drinks that I was planning on having that night, and apparently I had pre-programmed Velvet Darkness, but I couldn't remember doing it. So sometimes they do bleed together a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've been listening to um, Clint Mathista's Sick Hick and Road show. I, I really dig Rockabilly. So, and and, and so that that old country before um, you know before the late seventies is when I enjoy the country. Yeah, uh, the country. A lot of a lot of it was, was just like, uh, a lot of the genre wise was the same. Um, they they kind of they all kind of bled over into each other a lot during that time period. I mean, John Cash is you know regarded as you know a country artist primarily, and he but he he's one of the guys that essentially created rock and roll. You know, on the Sun Sun Records label you know, with Elvis and Jerry Lee, Carl Perkins. Um, yeah. Sonny Burgess and Wanda Jackson and, and all those people they created rock and roll but they also did country music as well because they were all from that area so a lot of people tend to mm-hmm. overlook that but uh, Johnny Cash to me Johnny Cash yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line between gospel rock and country I think yeah yeah it, it, it and blues, blurs all those lines yeah it blurs all those lines but I mean, yeah, as I've said on the road show, I, I'll, I'll say it, you know, sober or drunk or whatever, you know, Johnny Cash to me is, is, is it when it comes to that, that style of music. He could be singing about how he likes Velveeta shells and cheese over Kraft macaroni and I'd be hanging on every word. <laughs> so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, how, how would you like your shows to evolve in the future or would you? Um, you know, honestly, I, I don't, uh, I don't know how much they're going to or can. I mean, I, I think Clint Mephisto probably will um, in terms of doing more live things. I've got some things planned currently that that might uh, that might lend itself to a live show. I mean, I, I kind of did that a little bit when I went to uh, Vegas this past year for the Rockabilly Weekender. Um, my wife and I had gotten married the year before, and I wanted to do a whole live report from that one because 
my wife has actually become somewhat of a character on the show. Um, I refer to her simply as Devil Girl on the show. Yeah. And uh, she would come into the room periodically while I was recording just to, you know, laugh at me, basically. <laughs> uh, she came in. She came into the room one night. I'll, I'll never forget this one. I, I had the cowboy hat on and a pair of Elvis sunglasses, and I'd had probably about 12, <laughs> 13 beers at that point. And I was, oh, I was pretty. pretty. <laughs> I was feeling pretty good. And she comes in, and, and, and I had the mic in my hand. I was like, well, there's Devil Girl. Say something, Devil Girl. And I stuck the mic in her hand. She just goes, she just looks at me and says, you're drunk, and walks away. I got, I, I think I got about 40 emails the next week saying, you need to have her on more often. She was great. You know, people just love oh, her for some awesome. reason. So she's kind of become a, a little bit of a character. But I wanted to do this whole live thing from Vegas when we got married. But it never it never happened. So I did I did some stuff this past year, and uh, I recorded probably about probably about twenty hours with the stuff. And I, I was only I had to whittle it down to about forty minutes, which really kind of sucked. Um, hopefully, I can do more of that stuff in the future because there's a lot of a lot of rockabilly and a hot rod show things going on in the North Carolina area that uh, I really could be doing. A lot of because I have, I have a lot of friends in these rockabilly bands and stuff around this area, so we could be doing a lot of stuff, you know. With that, that. So hopefully that'll that'll turn into something. But you know, we'll see. Uh, Velvet Darkness, honestly, I don't um, I don't see it really moving beyond what it is, and, and that's okay. You know, yeah. That that show is I don't really see that evolving into something else, and I never had the intentions of of it being that way. Of course, I didn't with Clint either, and and recommendations on your shows? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I I encourage every week you know, for people to email me if you have a request or feedback or, you know, whatever. If, if something, if you like something I did, let me know. If you don't like something I did, let me know. And I always take it to and what's heart. The best, you know. What's the best way for people to get in contact with you to send you recommendations or props on, uh, on the quality of your show? Um, Radio Free Satan, obviously, is the first, the first line of contact. I mean, there's there's links to my website and my email addresses on there. Um, I can be found on Facebook, you know, for those of them that know, you know, they, I'm, I'm pretty easily found. And, um, or you can go to, you know, my my business, my art, my art site, screwbiter.net, and, you know, you can contact me off of there. Clint Mephisto's got a profile on uh, rockabillyfever.com, and, you know, he's, he's you can... Google Clint Mephisto and come up with something too. So, oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, well, that's it's, it's not hard to track Halloween shit. Well, that's uh, I'm, I'm have, hoping to have that out in the next couple of weeks. Um, things have been really kind of slowed down. I with this stonework I've been doing. So, I also uh, for the last few years have been doing the Lord to the Left Hand Path mask series, which is kind of a occult-related, um, satanic-related line of masks and, you know, ritual decor. And uh, I've been meaning for the last, I don't know, a year or so to get something else out on that series. And things have just been so hectic, I haven't. So, you know, but uh, I'm hoping to have something else out really, really soon with that. But, so hopefully the Columbus system doesn't get delayed either. So if someone wanted to purchase uh, one of the masks that you do have available, um, 
would the, your website, screwbetter.net, be the best place to do that? Yes, yes. That's usually the best way to do it. Um, yeah, there's uh, the current current catalog is, is up and, uh, you know, links to the PayPal account and, you know, you can purchase right off of there. It's uh, it's only mentioned on the, the occult-related masks, but it's kind of also uh, veiled but understood that COS members get a 20% discount off on everything I sell. Um, it's only oh, mentioned yeah. on the, you know, it's only mentioned on the left hand path series, but you know if you're COS member, you know all I ask you is shoot me a copy of your card so I know that you're you're you know in the circus so to speak and and uh, yeah. I get that discount across the board. I've had people try to get it and refuse to send the cards. <laughs> oh yeah, well <laughs> it shouldn't be too much of a problem if uh, if you really are. Yeah, uh, you would think. Well, that's. That's, that's badass, man. You, you're you're a very very talented artist. Um, you Thanks, know, going sir. into this interview, I, I I wasn't sure where it would uh, you know turn to, just because you have so many different things that uh, you're involved in. But if if uh, um, listeners out there, if you're looking for yes, <laughs> um, if anyone out there is looking for some uh, sculptures or uh, pieces of art or masks or anything, you should definitely check out ScrewBatter.net. It is uh, filled with uh, some really great work, uh, and it looks like, you know, process work, too. So, I mean, you can see sort of, you know, in your galleries, uh, work that is sort of in the in the clay form and then, you know, sort of finished product and stuff, too. So, you know, it's uh, a lot of attention is paid to detail and stuff. It's really great. But for the, the podcast specifically, um, a lot of really fantastic mu- music, whether you're into rockabilly, psychabilly, or, you know what, even vintage goth and um, sort of, uh, uh, I don't know, like just darker rock type music in Velvet Darkness. And uh, I know there's a lot of uh, the community out there that's into uh, both of those arenas. It seems like those two uh, those two polar opposite ends of the spectrum are, are covered quite well through the COS, I think. Yeah. Um, so definitely check both of those podcasts out. Uh, Chris really is doing a fantastic job at Radio Free Satan, and hopefully for a very long time to come. Uh, and you know, Chris Ray it was, it was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much uh, for taking time out. You're really pleasure good to talk to you as well. Pleasure to talk to you as well, and uh, thank you for having me on. I, I do appreciate it. Absolutely, hail Satan, man. Hail Satan. <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bazaar of the Bazaar. Alright, as I said before, this is adult in nature. So if you have delicate sensibilities, you should probably turn the podcast off now. And for the rest of you out there, I want to talk in this Bazaar of the Bazaar about forked pissing. Now, this is something that if you're a guy, if you are a sexually active guy, you've experienced at least <laughs> 10, 20 times in your life so far. It doesn't happen every time. Uh, but it does happen. It does tend to occur. So, you know, after a guy finishes uh, sexually, um, you know, y- y- you can wash off or you can just l- leave things as they are. Uh, but what happens after <laughs> it sort of uh, dries, I guess you could say, um, 
it, it creates uh, a barrier to passage, we'll say. So there can be times when you go to take a leak after, you know, a bit of time after uh, having sex, and it, when, you, when you do, you have multiple streams. Like, you have a forked stream <laughs> that is going on either side, or however, you know, it particularly works out, uh, <laughs> either side of this, uh, we're going to call it coagulated sperm. <laughs> and you can see why I'm saying this is an adult topic, because... It, I guess it's not really adult, it's, it's kind of infantile, <laughs> but it's something that happens, and it's so entertaining when it happens, because you never know, I mean, no one ever goes into this hoping for this sort of outcome, but when it does, it's sort of just funny and entertaining to, to you know, experience, you're, you're sitting there pretty sure of your aim, <laughs> I mean, it's a guy, really, your aim there's some genuine factors uh, your 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 insistence on needing to take a leak uh whether <laughs> there's um external stimulus that causes you to have like you know for example morning wood um there's just a lot of things that affect your individual stream at any given opportunity that you're taking a leak and this is just one of those other factors that plays into it and it doesn't even have to be forked sometimes it just veers like a particular direction you weren't expecting you know, you're, you you go to take a leak, and all of a sudden, it's like a compass. Your stream comes out due north, and you're facing west. <laughs> and it's just, you know, I, I don't even know why I'm bringing this up, because <laughs> I don't know how many guys admit to this ever happening. But it does, in fact, happen. And it is, it's really funny when it does. And it usually ends up in you needing to clean <laughs> something up or wipe something down. Uh, but if if you're not a guy, but you've got a guy... Maybe uh, maybe you want to stand in one of these times. Maybe you'll take a little bit longer uh, washing your face <laughs> when the guy's in there to see if it happens because it is very, very funny when it does happen. And i got to be honest here. Sometimes I'll expect it to happen and it won't and I'll be a little bit disappointed. Like, I don't, I don't try, you know, for stuff like this to happen. But, you know, every once in a while you're like, oh, this would be kind of funny if it happened now, and it doesn't, or it does, and you're like, yes, it happened. You know, just that little tiny, tiny part of your mind back there, because there are uh, extenuating circumstances where it could be a negative <laughs> quite often, especially if you're living with, with your spouse or something. But that's what I wanted to talk about in brief, was forked peeing, how it can happen, uh, the absurdity of it, and uh, the expectation of it on the deepest, darkest reservoirs of our brains. <laughs> so look for it <laughs> in a guy near you. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> so that's it for the Bizarre of the Bizarre. Aren't you glad I waited three weeks and wish, you, I, would, wish I would have waited more in order to bring that bad boy out of the closet? I do have a lot more uh, similar topics. <laughs> so it's not like I'm ever going to run out of this stuff. Uh, but I think, oh, sad panda music, I think that's going to do it for another show. I hope you enjoyed it. You know, I'd love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let me know of any suggestions, critiques, general comments, 
let's add corrections <laughs> on the end there that you might have. You can visit the Undercroft Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, or Google Plus pages uh, for nine cents and get updated on weekly topics. You can listen to this show primarily through Radio Free Satan or download the show Monday nights via my RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. You can subscribe via iTunes as well by searching 9cents in the iTunes store, but don't forget to leave a rating or comment. If you'd like to learn more about the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. If you'd like to meet other Satanists, visit Undercroft at satannet.com. And if you'd like to hear other fine Satanic voices, music, or personalities, visit Radio Free Satan, an online streaming radio station. Thank you, and once again, as always, I'm your host Adam Campbell, and until next week, Hail Satan!